recording. Welcome back to the mentors. We uh, are, we're walking right now. <laughs> we're walking. It's frigid. It's frigid it's in frigid. New York. In fact, it's going to be in the negatives this week. But we're walking right now uh, through Washington Square Park at New York University, where I, Sergey, work. And we're going to a bar on West Third Street, where we're going to be interviewing a couple of people who just went through a very intensive two-week sprint at NYU to validate their concepts. And uh, these folks, some of them have done upwards of 80 to 100 customer interviews in the last couple of weeks. So we actually think it's going to be a really valuable thing to share with you all. Yes, especially for those of you that are thinking about starting their own business and are kind of in the validation and early stages. This is exactly what um, a lot of entrepreneurs go through. And I think it's a good way to kind of see it through the lens of somebody else that goes through it in a more structured way. Because obviously NYU has a ton of resources that they provide for their students. Uh, funny thing just happened and I love every time this happens. Obviously Sergey works at NYU. I visit the Leslie eLab there quite frequently but every time I come in uh, to a room full of students that have been exposed to Sergey for <laughs> the last few weeks, it's really funny to see their confused faces when uh, another copy of Sergey, or as I like to say, he is the copy of me, but well, semantics. Uh, brother, I suppose, I guess. But they, yeah, yeah, they don't, many people don't actually weird know that I have a twin brother. And they are shocked, to say the least, because they love me so much. If there's two of me, it's like overwhelming, I think, almost a little bit. I know. Twins are weird. They're weird for me, too. There it's are fine. kids here in the park with giant bubble makers. There's skater boys on razor scooters. It's actually a relatively it's beautiful freezing. day. No, and New Yorkers still love it. I don't get it. Uh, it's high 30s today. It's not too bad. Okay. It's not too bad. We digress. Uh, but actually, the park is a really cool place. The fact that it's here right next to the Entrepreneurial Institute at NYU because a lot of the teams actually go into the park to do... Uh, customer interviews like they will just literally inter it's called we call them intercepts yeah. uh, street intercepts they will literally stop people or put a table up or something in the park so people come up and and uh, talk to them and they can kind of share what they're working on and try to validate if people's have the problems that they're trying to solve and you can get sometimes 50 people in the park so it's pretty cool and uh, I actually did this with my high school student entrepreneurship class this summer because we were right down the street from Washington Square Park and we came into the into the park and they had to approach people cold, pitch them in their ideas, try to get their email addresses, whatever the, the next step was or the goal was for that particular interaction. And it's a great experience for a 15 year old, I mean, hell, it's a great experience for a 50 year old, but uh, for a 15 year old to, like we like to say, get comfortable with being uncomfortable and communicating your message to strangers because pretty quickly you realize it's actually not that bad. What's the worst that can happen? But there's potentially a lot of value that can come from that in helping you get past, uh, get out outside of your comfort zone and build some new skills. All right, we are a block away from the bar right now. So we're going to hit pause for a second and we'll cut back when we meet our first team of entrepreneurs. So we'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor. Just kidding, we have no sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> But if you do want to sponsor the show, please email yeah. us at Vadim or Sergey at TheMentors.co. You recording, Vadim? I'm recording, Sergey. Excellent. All right. We are here with the founders of Gig Finesse. Uh, we got Mir Huang and we have his co-founder, Ryan Kim. Guys, 
Uh, we're standing outside the bar right now on West 3rd Street, and uh, I love how immediately when you walked into the bar, you were still hustling, the program was over, and you went right up to the bartender and you asked them if they have musical acts, so I love that, and I think that's a good reflection of what happened in the last couple of weeks. Can you tell our audience uh, really briefly what it is that your business does, and, and then we'll follow up with what happened in the last few weeks during the NYU J January Sprint? So basically, I've been a long-time live musician myself, and uh, we, I've like gigging and playing shows all around the country. I've just realized how archaic and slow the whole booking process was between the venues and the artists, and they both had separate flaws. And there were a lot of hurdles that both parties uh, were facing. For instance, um, with artists, there are a lot of talented artists there out there that can't really market or sell themselves, and some of them just don't. Um, they're tired of cold calling, or they're tired of being forced to go through promoters or talent buyers that take huge cuts of their paycheck, which is already very slim to none um, so they're having a hard time um, surviving in the music industry mm -hmm. uh, from the venues you know they don't really have a system that collects data to really help um, you know book reliable musicians and kind of scroll through hundreds and thousands of emails that they receive per year um, so we I wanted to this is something that I was very passionate about and I wanted to create a web platform that kind of streamlined this booking process for both parties and we've been, I mean, working hard at it for the past five months. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. Ryan just quit his uh, lucrative uh, engineering job at Google <laughs> to join you here full time. So you must oh, be, wow. you must be a good salesman. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. So actually, not to gloss over that, uh, recruiting talent is one of the hardest things to do, <laughs> and recruiting a partner is one of the hardest things to do in the earliest stages. So if you can establish that trust, uh, that can go a very long way. So then, actually, let me ask you that, this question, uh, Ryan. You quit your job to pursue this, what gives you the confidence that it's going to work? Because I think you're, you're taking a pretty big risk and I'm proud of you, but why did you decide to do that? Well, first of all, it's just because like I know Mira. We're cousins and like we've known each other for quite a long time now. And like, yes, we've never done startups together, but I know like he's done like other business before, like car companies and like closing companies. And I know he how he goes like to the customers and like always try to find out more and more. And not as much as Mira, but I've been to live music, I've been to his shows and everything, like how he interacts with everyone else and like how, how he's like very passionate about this problem. Yeah. Like he brought me to like a lot of venues, the bars, the clubs, and like all the artists to like show to me directly the problem that it is and how we can solve it. Well, there you go. Uh, a huge vote of confidence. The reason why Ryan quit his job is because he believes in his co-founder's ability to execute. And of course, his co-founder, Mary, believes in his ability to execute on the technical side. And the only way that was possible is because they observed how the other one works and they see it. They know each other really well. And that really is a, a good lesson for how to find co-founders, how to get people to work with you is you got to trust each other. We've talked about this many times on the show. But what I want to talk about uh, next is what happened over the last couple of weeks because you guys hustled and got, I think it was, what was it, 65 interviews? 67, right? yeah, 67 interviews. 67 interviews with uh, everyone from bar owners to DJs, musicians. Uh, tell us how you did this and like, how you, were you able to just get that volume of interviews over such a short period of time mm -hmm. and what were the, some of the biggest learnings that you had? Right, so it really does help, right? Um, just like I think any creative industry, the, the whole group of creatives, they're very tight-knit and they really want to help each other out. So for us, because I was approaching it not from a software developer or like a business perspective, but one of their own who also faced all these problems and faced all these issues, I think that really helped both parties to like really want to help me out. Um, I think that was one of our strong suits. So there was a lot of like 
oh hey, I can vouch for these guys. Let me introduce you to another venue owner, or let me introduce you to my friend. Um, he's been gigging all over the city, like for 10 years. He might be a great help. So that really helped us a lot. And I would say another, like just overall, um, just like how you said, just going around and like not being afraid to, you know, ask people, hey, what are the current processes? Like, oh, like, I wonder why you guys don't have this. Or like, you know, is there a certain reason? Or like, what are the flaws? Or like, what made you choose to just like stick with what you guys have right now? And most of the times, I think if you just approach them the right way, they're actually very happy to talk to you. And as long as I feel like one thing I learned is as long as you don't go on busy nights, whether it be like evenings or whatever, like for example, just now, it's happy hour, but it's also not really busy, right? So they're also bored and they're also looking for new people to talk to and interact with. And I think that really helps us. I think that's a huge point, Mir, that you made is you get people at the right time and also a lot of times people want to be helpful. So if you're if you have some trepidation about reaching out to people to do this customer discovery work, which is what I'm assuming you're doing to give the audience a little bit of context, they just went through a program that is essentially to validate some of the problems that you had and identify the value that you're actually proposing and bringing to these customers and even what your customer profile is, right? And so to do that, you need to have as many conversations as possible. So this is no small feat, but a focus that does need to happen. And actually to follow up, Mir, did you guys do walk-ins? Like what are the semantics there? How did you get these meetings? Was it sending cold emails, cold calling, just cold walk-ins or reaching out to your network? So. It, I think it uh, varies, right? Um, with a lot of artists, like there are some cold calls. There's obviously a lot of people who um, want us to meet other musicians because they're, again, very tight-knit community. Once we also prove our concept to a couple venue owners, they're more likely to open their contacts and other doors to different venues. So we've been meeting a lot of people that way. And also, I haven't been like scared to email a lot of people. So my belief is, hey, if you shoot 100 emails, at the very least, at least five or 10 people are gonna email me back. And and that's and how many did you send in the last couple of weeks i've probably sent at least around like 60 emails and i've sent it in various industries like you know art galleries hotels restaurants and just trying to you know gauge as much information as possible and to gauge you know what other clients can we potentially serve down the road yeah and another thing i want to highlight too is that mir had the experience of booking 250 gigs manually without a technical platform right now they're trying to build sort of not to overly simplify it but the airbnb of helping artists find venues to book but uh but mir had done 250 manual bookings, so he knew the process inside out he could relate to the bar owners to the booking agents he could relate to the musicians the djs so starting up a conversation i'm sure was probably a little bit easier at that point because you already knew exactly their pain points right right no it definitely was and it was also very important for me um to not go in with the mindset of like i already know all your problems right yeah. so that really helped me too and i had to really check myself to go in and be like hey you know like i want to learn more about your specific booking experiences and what kind of problems you face as an individual this is actually really important to mention because here you're clearly showing empathy towards the prospect and the person that you're talking to. You're valuing their time and you actually want to create something of value for them, not just trying to pitch something and shove something down their throat and sell. And even in sales, by the way, this is customer discovery. It's slightly different types of conversations. You're still building relationships though. And even in sales, before you prescribe, you really need to understand the pain and spend the time on that. Any parting words, lessons for would-be entrepreneurs, somebody new that maybe is starting, uh, that wants to build a multi-sided marketplace, which is what you guys have. You're gonna have musicians and venues. 
any major lessons that you learned either in the last couple of weeks or, or longer than that? Well, I think the first thing that I want to really touch on for both Ryan and I are this is something that we're both very passionate about, right? So no matter how like how many hours we put into it or like how many different steps that we need to like hurdles that we need to overcome, I think it's something that we're very happy to do so it doesn't feel like work. So that's like a huge, I think, foreground and something that we like everyone should think about before I think they jump in uh, very seriously yeah. care about the customer that why why run a business where you don't care about the customer at all right right Makes exactly sense. and um, another thing is I think um, just a lot of people are scared to just take the risks you know and rejections and I mean it is a very scary thing and in the beginning I was very scared about it too but I just realized um, you know you if you don't reach out and if you don't ask and if you can't start off a conversation those are all doors that you are choosing to close yourselves yeah. so no matter what happens i always just try to talk and start off a conversation and usually that's been leading us to good places so i think that's one of the takeaways if you had to pick one thing that you one thing of value that you got over the last two weeks that's really actionable that you're going to now that either is changing your strategy or helping inform it what would it be from the last two weeks um so best takeaway that I think we both um, got out of the program um, was most definitely keeping an open mind, right? Um, just because we came in thinking, hey, so we've booked so many shows already and we thought we had a very clear line of um, direction for the next couple of years. But, you know, diving deeper into the market and doing more endless customer discoveries, um, we realized that we could, sure, look at it more in a broad way and do what we do best, but also really pinpoint within that segment and help those that need our help the most. And those are going to be our core fans, our core clientele that's going to vouch for us and will deliver and share our platform and what we believe in through other people. So, and that's, I think, how we've been getting a lot of like positive feedback and how we've been successfully getting to know more and more people in the music industry. Great. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for coming on the show and sharing the wisdom that you learned in the last couple of weeks and even longer than that. And I hope to bring you guys back on maybe in six months when you're full on running this business uh, full time right after you graduate. Thank you so much. Here with uh, Yo Stay Hungry, the founders are Sarita Gates and Aris Johnson, and this is an interesting company. Hey, one that you've run for four years, mm -hmm. and finally now it's turning to a company. Now that you found out about Real the thing. Leslie Elab, yeah, it's turning <laughs> turning into the real thing so yes. tell me about uh, what you guys do what you've been doing for four years absolutely. and how now it's turning to a business absolutely so for the last four years essentially I googled hip-hop and food quite a few years ago and the only thing that came up was literally a few articles that just mentioned food lyrics um, I was working with young people at the time I was like oh it'd be really cool if we partner young people with, with coach chefs and they cook these hip-hop lyrics uh, hip-hop is all about like double entendres and beef specifically so I was like duh why don't we just do that so we did um, we did four last year in 2018 we did a tour we went to philadelphia dc um newark new jersey we did our first middle school one and then last but not least our annual biggie day um so it's really becoming a business not a way at the e-lab because we can figure out things like business model canvases and uh, and profit and law statements and all of these like other acronyms that are actually important when you're talking about like revenue <laughs> And right. that matters. Well, and you're definitely thinking about it now as entrepreneurs because you've been doing this for some years. So you have up to two, three hundred uh, people come to the events. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to these events, it's right? kind of crazy. It's crazy. Why do they come? People love it. Right? <laughs> That's what you're learning is why people come. Yeah. Uh, so my first question, part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the show today is because over the last two weeks at the January Sprint at NYU, you were able to schedule 
a lot of interviews uh, with businesses, yeah. with uh, actually marketing agencies. In fact, Absolutely. you did, I think, 36 or something over like that weekend. over yeah, the weekend. Crazy. How did you do that? Because getting businesses to talk to you or people that work for companies to talk to you over a weekend is really hard. And to schedule more than 30 over that yeah. period of time is really hard. How did you get those interviews? Referrals. So I okay. actually had maybe like five to 10 friends who were in the advertising agency and a bunch of different avenues. So one was an account director, uh, two or three were copywriters, um, creative directors, etc. And I was like, listen, I need the favor, right? The favor of life. I need you to connect me to as many account managers as you know. Yeah. And they was like, all right. And they, I, I sent them a text. Shout out to staying ready so you don't got to get ready. I shot them a text. Hey, this is the information I need. I need 10 to 15 minutes of your time. I, we can do a phone call and then we can follow up later on in person. And shout out to the team. The team made it happen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally. Well, so you're saying staying ready so you can get ready. Say that again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Right. You mean so that that's like when you were texting them, you were following up? Absolutely. Yeah. Not only following up, but when people were saying, okay, what do you need so I can make this intro? I'm like, here you go. Yeah, you made it really easy. Okay, exactly. So you were talking to uh, marketing agencies to see if you can get sponsors for your events because mm -hmm. you do live events. Yep. They're called activations, is the fancy word that yes. marketers use. Yes, uh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> right? So well, now, hey, now you're gonna hopefully make some money. What did you learn? Yeah. How much money do you think you can potentially make from sponsors? Yeah. And what were some of the biggest things you learned in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think the the market is endless just as far as how much we could make from sponsors because brands have been doing sponsorships literally for years. So I think it's about us being intentional around what value we bring to these sponsors and just putting a crazy price tag on it what was your second question uh, my second question is I don't remember what it was but okay, now I'm, I'm curious now yeah, I'm curious give me a new question uh, <laughs> I'm curious what what is how do you communicate the value to mm -hmm. brands about what you're doing because that's not easy to do yeah absolutely so i think one the benefit of us having been doing this for the last four years is we have crazy amounts of content right and sometimes we can show you better than we can tell you and so one i think the benefit of us having just relationships with people in general in the advertising agency is they can vouch for us some of them have been to our events but we can say actually come out to an event like actually one of the strategies that we learned in the e-lab is like what does it look like if we actually invite these brand managers to be a judge at the Yo Stay Hungry competition. So that's kind of like one avenue. And just thinking about the content that we've created overall, we have so many videos. The audience speaks for itself and they tell their friends and their friends and their friends who might be account managers, right? Like we have literally created, we're able to use the assets that we have just as far as like the digital content, the social media, etc. And then really reach out to these brands in a powerful way. Are you guys getting any help with this? Because that sounds like a lot of content to deal with. And I think people get overwhelmed. You can capture the content, but then how do you actually make use of it? Yeah, yeah. I hate social media. <laughs> we have a whole video crew oh, that really? comes to the competition. And what, yeah. they, they work for free? No. Okay, so you have to pay them? Yes. Okay, got it. <laughs> yes. All right. And, and how expensive is that? Uh, it's like our highest ticket item currently. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Okay. And it, it can cost uh, up to a couple thousand dollars, as I understand, to put on each event. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. But you guys make some of that money back, and can you talk anything about the revenue numbers? Yeah, we've been doing it half-ass. We actually have been doing it for free for the last four years. Okay. So They're philanthropists, at, yeah, at this point. Yeah. So now we're, and this was one of the reasons why we want to join the sprint because we really want to be intentional around getting the money. Like, obviously, we're providing some type of value, but now it's for us to step back, which we 
we were open to right like we came here like all right if the competition doesn't work fuck it we're gonna do something else <laughs> yeah. you know what i'm saying so yeah. now we get to step back reevaluate the situation and say okay how can we move powerfully specifically with getting money yeah. yeah i mean as an entrepreneur it's really important to stay flexible mm-hmm. and adapt because mm-hmm. and now you're learning that you don't have all the information and so once you get the information that's how you know what direction to adapt to yep. but you guys clearly were able to create a lot of value throughout this process because a i mean it was fortunate that you had you had the luxury of being able to invest a little bit of capital into mm-hmm. this and hire videographers and whoever you needed to, to actually put on these events but now you have tons of relationships yep. that you can go to you're not starting from zero that's one of the hardest things yeah. for any entrepreneur to do is oh i identify an opportunity i identified a, p- a potential way to generate revenue but where do i start who do i go yeah. to you guys don't have the problem of who do i go to you just have to now figure out how do you communicate the value proposition to generate the revenue Correct. Yeah. 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 let me pose this question to, to Aris, the head chef of the operation uh, who's uh, cooking up a lot of things for this business oh, coming up in the <laughs> Uh, you guys have had a bunch of conversations with uh, with marketing agencies. You're going to be talking to brand managers now. You're trying to get after the money this year so you can not only cover costs but actually make some money with these events. Mm-hmm. Talk about how much do you think you can make per event? How much brands do you think are going to be willing to spend? Uh, I mean, at least what, based on what you learned in the last couple of weeks of having these interviews. Well, we kind of had an idea. We had We created a deck. And we kind of came up with some numbers. So, okay. like, okay, for one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, you could sponsor us for ten competitions, and we could do the competitions for like twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars each. Fifty thousand dollars being the biggest number for the biggest competition. So, but now, actually, today through the sprint and after being reviewed by you guys, you know, we kind of realized that we could possibly get even more money than we projected. So. Yeah. I don't know. If yeah. you want a number, I would say maybe like low hundreds, low yeah. to mid hundreds. Yeah. I mean, we, we we always push people to ask for more than you think you'll get Absolutely. because you don't know. Like you, you can always dial back. Right? Exactly. Yeah. You can always dial back and you, you don't want to sell it with your own wallet. Sure, uh, right. Brands are willing to spend a lot of money yep. on, on this kind of this kind of thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and because we know where it's double-sided market, at yeah. this point, we can go after not only beverage companies food companies right. kitchen utensils like there are so yeah. many different types of brands that we can go to we could also go to principles right we could also partner with like there's yeah. the possibilities are literally endless right now you guys so, have yeah. done some really creative stuff going through school so you have an automatic uh, population of yep. people students that yep. would come to these and events audience. yeah, and yeah. Audience, right. exactly yeah uh, so then uh, another thing is you know I think these kind of event type of businesses they require an ability to uh, get a lot of people to support you volunteers mm-hmm. to help people yeah. that you'll pay as well how do you what's your philosophy how do you go about attracting the right people I mean even yeah. your partner yeah. here yeah. how do you go about that yeah, yeah yeah so one of the things that we actually valued us on our website yostayhungry.com is hashtag team us right team so us. T- one we have two uh, we have two other partners uh, Zaki who runs all like the music curated in a very particular way and Kat Delva who does all of the production so it's a team of four right so we're just here representing in this particular time but just as far as how how we get people to volunteer etc etc we make request all the time with people right? right and so especially being that we're putting on this event for free we'll go out you know i host the events i'll say hey we need y'all support doing a b c d and e and people follow up 
which is crazy but closed mouths don't get fed right and so if we aren't making the ass people don't know how they can support unless we specifically tell them how to support and another thing is another big component we thrive off of is gratitude and nobody can say thank you better than Sarita Gates (laughs) (laughs) how do you say thank you I mean all the time often it's it's also knowing people's love languages right so if I know Aris loves uh, acts of service I'm like oh Aris how can I do something for you that'll be uh, meaningful in such a way that you get that I appreciate it so I think this is the first time on our podcast that uh, someone a a business person has mentioned love languages and I commend you for that because I think that's that's pretty awesome maybe we'll do a whole episode during one of your events about love languages so but why do you think people say yes and give you the free time I mean is it just because they're excited about what you're doing or they what what's their benefit from all this yeah so we definitely do an excellent job at selling a vision right so that's that's primary but people we we shape it in such a way that we want people to be a part of it like I like I founded y'all stay hungry I rarely say I it's always we right and so I'm always intentional around how can we build a culture in which everybody who's a part of it whether it's a volunteer who came out to rock out for the day Aris the team whether it's the young people who say yes that they are part of something larger so every contribution means the exact same right so I'm not like oh Aris is worth more than the young person who said yes or the volunteer is worth more than the the coach chefs like everybody contributes equally and it's reminding people that your contribution matters that, that's VIP. huge yeah, yeah everybody's VIP, VIP. Yeah, I love that as a leader are we you... VIPs <laughs> I feel like a VIP yeah. just having this conversation yes. you guys have so much energy I love it that's a huge takeaway for me personally that as a leader of an organization you have to be able to sell people on the vision yeah. and yeah. you have to show appreciation it's not just a millennial thing everybody yeah, wants no. to feel appreciated everybody and if you show them appreciation they Absolutely. will turn the mountains over for you literally every exactly. mountain much. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna shed a tear in, <laughs> in the class today yeah. when everybody was saying like, "Yo, you know, thank y'all for just saying good morning to yeah. us." You yeah. know, we like that's that yeah. 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 yeah, well, yo, stay hungry. Thank you so much for getting on the show. Good luck to you. I'm looking forward to paying for a ticket yes. for the next you event. Know. You know, you know, yes. Hip hop get a discount. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, we're VIPs. <laughs> we get, we're gonna get the lobster and everything. Yeah. And we're gonna get to meet backstage <laughs> with the hip hop artists. It's yes, gonna be great. Yes, yes. Right, Thank you so for much. having us. Yeah, Appreciate cheers. it. All right. So this is the uh, demon Sergey Revson walking from Half Pint with some points in us. Some points in us. Some points in us. We must admit. We must admit that we had uh, a couple drinks. Each. We've had a couple pints. Twelve percent each. So these weren't <laughs> small pints. By the way, can I just say that um, I'm holding a microphone right now? And I'm I, I'm moving it from my fr- my face to Circus face, and uh, I I just came up to a couple entrepreneurs while we were at a bar having a few drinks, and I just wanted to record their stories. And every time you bring a microphone to somebody's face, it's like you're it's like TRL. Right? You're on the air, right? Whenever somebody says you're on the air and that red light switch is on or whatever, they feel different. You feel a little different. It's so funny, and it's something that we try to avoid in these conversations because we want we want to have dynamic and. Uh, and real Authentic organic, yeah. yeah, organic uh, reactions. Sometimes it's hard because the microphone's in your face. But anyways, me and Sergey are used to having the microphone on our faces. Matter of fact, me, well, we were performing since we were what five? Uh, like, uh, yeah, like six, seven years old. Uh, our parents our, our made dad, us perform a lot. Yeah, our dad was the principal of the school, and so we kind of had to be model children. And I remember being super shy when I was six, seven years old, having to go on stage and kind of having to put up a good front because our dad was the principal. So we've had to put on an act for a while we were shy in the beginning we're not now 
But right. for many years, even as teenagers, we were very shy. And actually, if you're shy right now, it's okay. Just know from our experience alone that even as an adult, you can change that habit. Or at the very least, you can make it a little bit less painful. Because if you are starting your own company, that's something you have to get past. Well, yeah, you just learn how to care less about it or be desensitized to it. Just like we've talked about this before, just like a surgeon who's cutting into the first human body I mean that's intimidating think about it anybody that operates on you has to be okay with opening up a body and looking at organs right but a couple and couple hundred surgeries in you it becomes a, it's a process oriented thing yeah, yeah. alright well we hope that you guys got some value from this conversation, but at the very least, if you are working on your own business and you're in the early stages, realize there's other people that are going through the same pain, and your sort of job right now is to get to things and solve problems a little bit quicker than other people so you don't have to waste your time. Well, listen, have a good night. Hey, Do you. Good-